Hey there, filled with messages, friends. Thanks for joining me today. It's always good to be with you. When I was growing up, an angel topped our Christmas tree. Over the years, the angel started to see better days, and my mother searched and searched for a replacement. There was one primary requirement for the new angel. It could not look like a pretty lady. Angels in the Bible don't have gender, and everyone, every time someone in the Bible sees an angel, they are filled with terror. So my mom, understandably, didn't want a beautiful, long, blonde-haired lady strumming a harp on top of our yearly conifer. Many years of searching later, she settled on a star. Angels in the Bible are a many splendid thing. Because they're not something about which we think on a regular basis, we tend to lump them all into one category. But there are quite a few different types of angels in the Bible. There's some disagreement on the exact number of groupings, but we'll skip over those particular details for right now. In today's scripture text, we meet angels called seraphim. Just in case you're ever on jeopardy and the question arises, the singular of seraphim is seraph. Don't say I never taught you anything. Seraphim are the visual opposites of beautiful, genteel ladies. They are six-winged, fiery creatures who spend their days shouting at the top of their lungs you wouldn't want a seraph to begin haunting your dreams as they'd quickly turn into nightmares. Terrifying as they might be, the seraphim have an incredibly important job. They fly around God reminding all of us about God's, and therefore our, holiness. Hear these words from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Will you pray with me? God, open our hearts and our minds and all of our senses to hear you speaking to us now. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As you may know, we're spending some time right now digging deeper into the Lord's Prayer. In our church's tradition, the second phrase of the prayer states, Hallowed be thy name. 50% of the words in that line have fallen into disuse in our vernacular. In particular, the word Hallowed is one we only ever use in church. Most of us understand that Hallowed is just an old-fashioned word for holy, But I wonder how many of us could succinctly, and also meaningfully, define holy. 
Perhaps we would say holy means set apart or special. But when we encounter something holy, the experience always contains a sense of wonder and awe and otherness that we cannot put into words. Holiness is that sense when you hold a brand new baby in your arms and she takes your breath away. Holiness is that feeling when you watch the light of dawn seep into our sleepy world and you are filled with inexplicable hope. Holiness is that quietness deep in your soul when you take a moment to be still and you know God is with you. Holiness is something we often encounter with our whole selves, with all our senses. That was certainly Isaiah's experience. Through a vision, Isaiah saw God, and what an image he saw. The hem of God's robe filled the temple, which was at the time the largest building the Jewish mind could imagine. Whenever I read this description, I always see Princess Diana's 25-foot-long wedding dress train filling the aisles of St. Paul's Cathedral. God's train is longer. Along with how stunning it must have been for Isaiah to see God, Isaiah also sees seraphim, terrifying creatures they I can only imagine how much his eyes must have widened as he tried to take it all in. Then there was the noise. The seraphs shouted to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All the earth is filled with God's glory. I wonder if Isaiah was tempted to cover his ears to try to protect them from the cacophony. As the seraphim sang, there was an earthquake and the whole house was filled with smoke. Imagine the smells and tastes that would have wafted into Isaiah's nostrils and mouth as he stood there. A few moments later, a seraph touched Isaiah's lips with a coal, ensuring every one of Isaiah's senses was present and involved in the experience of God's holiness. Isaiah's response to his whole body holiness experience is fascinating. He shouts out something but scholars aren't exactly sure what he means. This single word can have three very distinct meanings. Most of the time, the word is translated, I am ruined, and certainly the word can mean lost. But the same word can also mean silenced. In other words, Isaiah might be saying, I am stunned to silence by the awesomeness of the scene before me. Thirdly, the word can mean, I am made in the likeness of God. If that's what Isaiah is saying, perhaps what he is trying to express is his deepening connectivity with God through this experience. I think Isaiah intends for us to think of all three of these definitions when we read his story. I wish we had a word in English that brought all these ideas together because I think they carry such deep meaning when we think of holiness. When we experience holiness, it ruins us in a way. It changes us. We lose parts of what we were before we experience holiness and gain amazing new parts. When we experience holiness, it also stuns us. It puts us at a loss for words. Holiness takes our breath away, making it impossible for us to speak. 
when we experience holiness, we are reminded that we are made in the likeness of God. It connects us deeply with God, the source of all holiness. It reminds us that we are precious and special and holy because God is precious and special and holy. After Isaiah proclaims he is ruined, silenced, made in God's likeness, he continues, I'm a man with unclean lips. I live among a people with unclean lips. Yet I've seen the King, Yahweh of heavenly forces. We often confuse Isaiah's proclamation of his unclean lips with sinfulness. But that's not quite what Isaiah is saying. The sense in the original language is that Isaiah was not properly prepared. He wasn't ready to see God. In the Old Testament, up to this point, there's a danger in seeing God face to face. God is too wonderful to be seen with human eyes. At one point, Moses sees just God's back, and Moses is changed so much that he has to start wearing a veil over his face because he even terrifies his own brother with the change that has come over him from seeing, again, just God's back. Truly, though, there is nothing that can prepare us adequately to experience God and holiness. There's nothing we can do, nothing we can read, Nothing we can ponder to get ready for a holy moment. And, blessedly, God doesn't wait for us to be properly prepared, in Isaiah's language, to get clean, before touching our lives with holiness. God just comes and meets us in ordinary moments and makes them extraordinary with his holiness. Not only does God bring us into holy moments when we are unclean or unprepared, God also makes us holy through those moments. After Isaiah cried out about his unworthiness, a seraphim flew to him, holding a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched Isaiah's mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has departed and your sin is removed thought of having a burning coal touch our lips seems awful, but apparently it didn't faze Isaiah. He wasn't hurt by it. Rather, he was made holy by it. Again, the words of the next part of Isaiah's story struggle to convey Isaiah's experience of God's holiness, just as we struggle to find the right words to convey our experiences of holiness. The English translation says, Then Isaiah heard the Lord's voice. But the idea is perhaps better explained that God was speaking the whole time, and it was only after Isaiah had this whole body experience and was made holy that he could hear what God was saying. Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? The Bible doesn't tell us much about Isaiah. The only identifying marker is his father's name, Amos. We don't know anything else about Amos or his son. Isaiah could have been a prince or a pauper or anything in between. One of the most wonderful things about this lack of identification is that it reminds us that anyone can enter into God's holiness. We can all have holy moments where we experience God. The seraphim shout that God's glory fills the whole earth. So we also don't need to be in a particular place to experience holiness. 
We can all have holy moments anywhere in God's creation. In other words, no matter who we are or where we are on our journey, we can have holy moments with God that make us holy. Finally, hearing God's voice, Isaiah responded quickly, Here I am. Send me. God gives us holy moments not just for ourselves. Yes, Isaiah was irrevocably changed by his experience of God's holiness. If nothing else, he was made holy himself. But God also gives us holy moments so we can share God's holiness with all of God's creation. God wants the whole earth to experience the goodness, beauty, wonder of his holiness and be healed by it. So God is always asking, whom should I send and who will go for us? Hoping that as we experience holy moments, we won't keep them to ourselves, but do our best with our limited vocabulary to describe God's holiness, goodness, healing to a world in need of all of those things. Be on the lookout for holy moments, my dear ones. Expect them to be lurking behind every meal eaten at home, every sweep of the vacuum cleaner, every Zoom, every washing of hands, every walk with the dog. And when you find yourself basking in the glow of God's holiness, I hope you will be able to hear God's voice saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I pray you will respond with wonder and love. Here I am. Send me. Thanks for listening today, my dear friends. I hope you have been blessed and encouraged by this word. As you go from here, may God's grace and peace and holiness surround you. Amen.